I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. On the show today, I've got Scott Hudler. He's the CMO at Torchy's Tacos. Scott joined Torchies after serving as Senior Vice President and CMO at Dick's Sporting Goods. And prior to his tenure at Dick's, Hudler was the Senior Vice President and Chief Digital Officer at Duncan Brands, where he spent over a decade in marketing leadership positions focused on brand strategy, advertising, media, digital marketing, and product innovation for the Dunkin' Donuts brand on a global basis. But Torchy's Tacos, it's an experiential craft casual restaurant, we'll get into what that means, with an elevated street taco concept that began a decade ago in Austin, Texas, and today Torchy's has over 83 locations in seven states, and they plan to add 100 company-owned restaurants in the next five years. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Scott Hudler. Scott, welcome to the show. Alan, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, this will be a fun one. I I love talking about food, and so we'll get into tacos and many other topics. But I I thought I'd start off with something, hopefully a fun question. You've lived in Boston, Pittsburgh, and now Austin. Which is your favorite city? You can throw in Atlanta and 
New Jersey into that mix as well. We've uh, we've been all over the place. Favorite city. So I would say if I could design the perfect city, it would be a hybrid of Boston and Austin. Weather in Austin is just unbelievable. Weather in Boston is unbelievably bad. But you get about six, six to eight weeks in Boston that are just in the summer that are just absolutely magical. Like you get perfect weather and, and Boston's a great city. We have a lot of friends there. So I think the ideal city for me would be some hybrid of the two. If I could be a, that wouldn't necessarily be bi-coastal, but Boston and Austin splitting my time between those two would be pretty, pretty solid. I remember living a summer in Austin and wanting to escape because I'd wake up in the in the morning and it would still be 90 degrees outside. <laughs> so. See, it's it's all relative. I grew up in South Georgia where you get the same temperatures, but 100% humidity. Whereas here, it's a cliche, but it feels like a dry heat to me. So it's, it's not that bad. After 12 years in Boston and shoveling way more snow than a kid from Georgia should ever deal with, I, just, I can't deal with cold weather at all. <laughs> well, I can, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about these stops. Uh, we talked about the geography. Let's talk about like your career path. I know you started out in communications and you've had stops at Popeye's, Mars, through brand management, Duncan Brands, Dick's Sporting Goods, I think was the first CMO role. And now you're at Torchy's as CMO. Yeah, I've been like, I've been really fortunate to work for some, some great brands, get some great opportunities and I had a, a professor in college who said, right when you get out of school, you should go work at an agency. You're not going to make any money, but you're going to get so much experience. And he was 100% right on both. And then someone I worked with, which is why I, I stress to my kids and anytime I speak to a group of college students, it's build your network and you know know the people you're working with. So a woman that I had worked with and uh, after going to Popeye's, a woman I had worked with at Popeye's got recruited up to Mars snack food. And so a year later she recruited me up there. And that was, you know, just a game changer from a from a career standpoint to go work in the New York market and get that experience. And that was also where I was able to make the transition from the communication side to more traditional marketing, which was great and something I identified that I wanted to do just to kind of broaden my Horizons and Mars was terrific in giving me that opportunity. So just to do that. And then again, it's, it's, you know, your connections. I, I actually had another job that I was pretty close to. And I, I called uh, a guy named John Luther, who was the president of Popeyes when I was there and now the CEO of Duncan and said, Hey, John, I'm, I'm calling in that reference. You always said, you know, I've got this great job lined up blah, blah, blah. Could you be a reference for me? And he's like, have you ever thought about living in Boston? And my answer was absolutely not. It's freezing up there. And he said, well, we're, we're doing some pretty cool things at Duncan. Can you come talk to us, take a look? And, you know, out of respect, I, I wasn't going to say no because right. everything he had done for me. So I, I go up there and I, I've told John this story. I feel like I kind of got bamboozled. It was July. It was like a picture perfect day. We go to a Red Sox game. We're at Fenway walking on the field before the game. And it was great. And just kind of decided, you know, hey, the the other opportunity was amazing, but it's a little bit of the devil you know is better than the one you don't. And I knew John and some of the leadership team members he had put in place there at Duncan, and and so kind of made the leap of faith to go to move to Boston and and uh, go work in uh, the coffee and donuts business. And like I said, probably 
the best career decision I've ever made is um, just from the experience standpoint and a chance to really step into a role. And I got there and six weeks later, the CMO left. So it was absolute baptism by fire and kind of wouldn't have it any other way. You're now at Torchy's Tacos. What made Torchy's the next right move? Yeah. So had worked for Mars, fairly big company, Dunkin' Donuts, big, Dick Sporting Goods, big. Wanted to do something a little nimbler, a little smaller, something a little more entrepreneurial and something that would be on the the growth curve up. And this opportunity came about. And something I realized when I went to Dick's Sporting Goods, which was, you know, the reason I had wanted to go take that role was to get out of the food industry, to go, I used to always say, to go use some different muscles and learn a different space and learn the retail space. And, you know, I love sports and technology. So it was a it was a great fit. But what I found was I really missed the restaurant business. I missed the pace that it moves at. You know, I just really missed it. And so this opportunity came along and it checked all those boxes of, all right, awesome concept, great growth opportunity, you know, really poised for that next stage of growth and super entrepreneurial and not a lot of bureaucracy and, and no franchisees and just checked a lot of boxes. And, you know, Austin, Texas is a pretty awesome place to live as well. That was that was really the the proverbial cherry on top for this opportunity. Tell me and listeners a little bit more about Torchy's Tacos and and the backstory. I've heard it's pretty interesting. Torchy's was founded by Mike Ripka on August 1st, 2006 in a food trailer in Austin, Texas, back before food trailers were the cool hip thing they are now. It was a barbecue trailer before that. Who knows what it was before that? It was not the fancy trailers you see now and Mike has a has a unique background. He's a classically trained chef and had gone through culinary school and was running food service for organizations like the World Bank and Nike, you know, all through HMS Host Marriott. He'll tell you the story about how he served the final meals at Enron back in the day. And so he decided he was in Texas and wants to do something entrepreneurial. So he and a buddy start this food trailer and it's in a terrible location in town from a traffic standpoint. So Mike has a, has a red Vespa that he's driving all over town and handing out tacos, chips and salsa, chips and queso to people while they're waiting in their car at a stoplight. And people would try the food and say, man, that's damn good. And so that became, you know, back then became part of the logo and kind of the tagline, if you will, for torches was damn good. And fast forward to now it's become our mission statement where we focus on making sure that every experience we have is damn good, whether that's with our guests in the restaurant, the way we treat employees, the way we treat one another, the way we treat our vendor partners. So great story from that food trailer to today being 88 restaurants in nine states and continuing to grow and adding more new states this year and just really poised for some significant growth over the next few years. It's a, it's a great story. I love brands that are just a, a little irreverent. <laughs> and uh, how, how do you think that works to your advantage? We're not offensive, but we're also not politically correct. We, we're we a little bit irreverent and our mascot is a baby devil in a diaper. So we don't, <laughs> we don't take things too seriously. And I think, you know, a lot of people see, you know, brands that are super serious and, you know, we're serious about one thing and that's, that's serving damn good tacos, but we like to have fun. We want people to really relax and enjoy themselves when they, when they come to a Torchies. And we've, we've created this 
positioning that we think is unique in the in the industry because we think we're we're a pretty unique brand. So we're not fast food, we're not QSR, we're not casual, and even the fast casual segment we think doesn't really fit what we're doing. So we've created this segment we call craft fast casual, which you know has the convenience and quality of fast casual the authenticity and creativity that you would find in a food truck, and then the energy and excitement of a craft cocktail bar, because everything at Torchies is made by hand. So we shuck our own corn, we squeeze our own limes, we do, everything is made there. When you order your food, it's cooked right there. It's not sitting in a steam well, just waiting to be slopped on a plate. Everything is made fresh right there in the restaurant and when you order it. So it's this really unique positioning. And we try and play that through with our irreverence and just try and have some fun. You know, our, our number one seller is a taco called the trailer park. And that's because when, when we finally got to a good location in Austin, it was a, it was a park, uh, it was a trailer park of food trailers. And so that's where we built that name from. And we like to say you can make every taco trashy by adding queso to it. So we (laughs) make it trashy is, is, you know, in the tortoise vernacular and we have a secret menu that our guests can tap into. So we just, we want to have fun. We want, you know, we want it to be fun to go eat out or get takeout from us. We just want our guests to have a great time when they interact with the brand. I love the secret menu, the like slang of keep it trashy. It Not that you visit Waffle Houses a lot, but the whole smothered and covered. I love the Waffle House. I grew up in (laughs) South Georgia. I'm intimately familiar with the Waffle House. I got really intimately familiar with Waffle House in college, and I'll leave that story right there. But uh, the, food, the food does taste better after two in the morning, scientifically proven. Yeah, exactly. But that whole like make it trashy it sounds like smothered and covered to me. But uh, the new class of restaurant that you're describing, I mean, it sounds like it's a perfect time for that. Frankly, like if you think about all the converging trends of like wanting healthy, good food delivered on your own time (laughs) and having that craft component to it as well. That seems like a winning formula. I mean, I'm not a restaurant guy, but like it seems like a really good formula. I think, you know, you nailed it. And we think about pre pandemic, we were doing a third of our volume was off premise, whether that was people picking it up or through third party delivery. So shifting to the normalcy of most of 2020 during the pandemic wasn't a, a big shift for us. We we did add some things. We added a product we call Family Packs, which was basically a pound of protein. And then it was basically deconstructed tacos. The, our guests could take it home and make the tacos themselves and save them. And it you know, would feed four to six. So we added some things like that. But we were already pretty well equipped to handle that. We had just started right in February of 2020 testing curbside. So we quickly accelerated that. And, you know, I give all the credit to our operators. They MacGyvered it together. And, you know, we had dining rooms that didn't have any guests in them. So we could just drag cables across dining rooms and set up cash registers on the curb under a tent. And voila, we have a curbside and drive through. So they did some, some pretty amazing work. And we built upon that to figure out how to get our guests back when, when they started coming back into our dining rooms, knowing that they were still going to want that curbside experience. So we've continued to roll out a more systematized approach to curbside because that's that's what the guests want. They want what they want when they want it. So we want to make sure that that we are meeting that need. You mentioned, I mean, it, it's on a growth cycle. You've got, I think you said 88 restaurants in nine states today. 
I think you mentioned to me before that you guys are planning to have a hundred by the end of the year. Is that right? Yeah, that's our plan. That's super fast. And just for listeners, we talked about this in a prior conversation, but your model is non-franchised. You're completely owned all the locations. Correct. We own all of our locations. We we have what we call an internal franchising program. So the person who is the manager of our restaurant in many concepts would be called the general manager. For us, they're called a, a managing partner. So they write us a check and then they get a percentage of the operating profits on a monthly basis. And we think this is a great model. And candidly, I think we would not have fared as well through COVID as we did without this model, because you had, you know, a group of managing partners who, who were incentivized to figure it out and not just sit back and say, oh, well, it's COVID. We can't do anything about it. No, they were, we had some great thoughts bubble up from our managing partners. These things like neighborhood drops where we'd put a sign up out for a subdivision or a, a neighborhood and you would order, and then we'd bring it to your neighborhood and do kind of a neighborhood drop-off. And, and that proved incredibly successful. We think it's a great program and, and far superior to a traditional franchising model. That's a phenomenal model, frankly. Like I, I uh, a little aside about me, like I have done a lot of entrepreneurial coaching and have been a SCORE mentor, which is a, a mentor coaching national organization sponsored through Small Business Administration. So this notion of giving internal employees the opportunity to become owners and operators. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Our CEO, GJ Hart, came from Texas Roadhouse and California Pizza Kitchen and instituted very similar models. And we just think it works really well and works great for our concept as to how we're going to grow. And, and yes, it might not allow us to grow as quickly as franchise model where you're using someone else's capital, but we just think it helps us keep control of the brand and make sure that we're living up to our, our damn good mission statement with every guest interaction that we have. I know it's, I mean, it's definitely is going to help you deliver on your, your culture, your mission, because it's just natural progression. Absolutely. And for us, you know, we, we joke that the three most important things about our business are the food, the food, and the food. And we want to make sure that we have that consistent quality. And like I said, delivering a damn good guest experience and serving damn good tacos. So having all of that be within our control for lack of a better term and, and having culinary coaches who are out in the restaurants continually coaching our kitchen managers and our uh, managing partners and our assistant managers to really deliver that great experience. We just think it's a much better model. Sounds like, I mean, you, you're on this growth track 88 today. I think, you know, let's say, did you say a hundred this year? That's our plan. And you've come from these big brand places to Torchies. Like, what do you think it looks like going from to 88 to a hundred to 200? Like, what's that look like? How do you, how do you make those leaps? You know, I think that the good thing is we have a leadership team that have all come not, yeah, we've all come from bigger brands. And so know what that looks like. And yeah, we have, we have growing pains as a, as any organization going through the growth that our size would have. But, you know, I think we know what it looks like on the other side. So we have a plan and all have the best intentions of, all right, we're going to get through this growing pain and we know what it's going to look like. And yeah, that means putting in some more 
processes and checkpoints and things like that. But yeah, it's exciting. I mean, this is this is kind of what we all came for was to be a part of this growth cycle. And, you know, the, our, our founder, Mike, and original partners have brought, have done just, they built such an amazing brand. And so I think we are all just honored and humbled to be here to take it kind of to build upon that foundation and build the next chapter in Torchy's history and, and take everything that is integral to who and what Torchy's is, but also bring some nuggets of wisdom from, you know, some of the other places, members of our leadership have come like Walmart, Taco Bell, Target, and, and layer that into really building a very unique and, and successful company. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You talked a little bit already about the stress that the restaurant industry has been under during the pandemic. How do you see the industry changing coming out of this pandemic? One thing that's really sad is there's just, there's a lot fewer restaurants than there were 18 months ago. And that's, that's just the harsh reality of what we've been through. And it's, it's really sad. And, um, you know, the restaurant industry is such a great industry. It's where so many people get their first job and it's whenever you want to go celebrate something, you, you go to a restaurant and, and think about that. So that, that part's really sad. And, and hopefully over time that will, that will grow back. I think how it's going to change for most brands is, is really making sure you can meet your guests where they are and how they want to engage with your brand. So a lot of folks have kind of been forced to do that during the pandemic in, in terms of adding, you know, upping their game and to go, adding curbside, adding online ordering, getting involved with a third party from a delivery standpoint. You know, a lot of things that some brands just didn't have on the radar. And now it's 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 every brand that needs to do that, whether you're fast food or full service formal dining, you need to have these things in there and just make sure that you're able to, like I said, meet your guests where where and how they want to use you. Curious if you have any thoughts on delivery in particular. Like it just seems like there's so many options out there right now. Like I'm gonna order dinner tonight and I'm thinking already like I'm almost like paralyzed a little bit. Like, where do I go to look? Do I, do I go to Yelp? Do I go? Cause I just want to look at the restaurant. Do I go to, you know, one of those delivery apps? I'm honestly a little like paralyzed to go, which, which one do I pull up today? There's an abundance of choices that consumers did not have five, 10 years ago, which is great. And then the rise of kind of delivery only virtual brands, which just adds some complexity. But I, you know, I think regardless, the good part is you can access any restaurant you want from your phone. The reality is 
that's super easy, but the hard part is making sure that that guest experience is still great, whether you come in and sit down in a restaurant or you order from DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, whatever, making sure that your experience is great because there's a challenge there. You're as a restaurateur, you're handing your brand to someone else to take to your end guest. And that's tough because we, we take such great pride in it and we want to make sure that everything's great. So we have an exclusive partnership with DoorDash. They've been a great partner. We have said that many times as we were, as we were dating. And then when we got married, we continue to say like, this, this is the most important part of our business. We want it to be a great experience. And but you, you have to be, you have to be on those platforms. You know, I think there were, there were several restaurants that maybe were holdouts and didn't want to get on the third party delivery platforms. And I totally understand that because of the the commission structure, but it's, it's, and it's just the cost of doing business these days. You have to be on those platforms or otherwise like your example for dinner tonight, you're, if you're not on there, you're just, you're out of the consideration set. Yeah, it definitely narrows your consideration set for sure. Talk to me a little bit about marketing. Like what, what is marketing in 2021 look like at Torchies? We still want to do things that will help us to break through with the, with the RN guest, the consumer. And we don't do traditional marketing. We don't do radio. We don't do TV. We are a very experiential brand and a very word of mouth brand. So social media is our, is our big driver. And that's how we we kind of grew up with social media. So we started the brand in 2006. And, you know, you think about the the growth that Facebook saw kind of from that point and then the rise of Twitter and Instagram. And that has been a great way for us to, you know, in the early days, interact with guests on an absolute one-to-one basis. And we would use that to help us determine where to put the next one that would say, hey, I love your torchies on El Paso Street in, in Austin. Could you come put one on uh, Lamar and and that would really help us to do that and we still use it as a as a way to drive that but you know overall we're just we're trying to make sure that we can can break through and it's it's challenging because they're like every day there's there's another theme or platform that's come up and it just it's gotten increasingly harder to break through but we still want to want to do that while also staying true to our brand we're not going to do gimmicky stuff just to do gimmicky stuff and again focus on the food the food the food that's what that's what separates us from and clearly differentiates us from from a lot of other brands. We want to make sure that we stay true to that with the message that we're sending to our to our guests. Do you have like a customer marketing as well? Like like people that you already know that somehow you you know they're in your system, they're customers. I'm just curious. We're building that on a day by day basis. So obviously, you know, during the pandemic, we we rebuilt our online ordering platform, which has given us a lot more insight into who our guests are and how we can how we can reach those people. Uh, we are in the process of building a loyalty program, which we'll launch uh, later this year, which we're super excited about, which will allow us to do kind of that true one-to-one marketing and also get a get a terrific 360 degree view of, of our guests coming in from our first party data and not relying on uh, third party data. Well, good luck. I mean, I know that that stuff is not easy work to do. <laughs> it's so. not. And, you know, luckily, because we're not 50, 60 year old brand, we don't have a lot of legacy IT systems that we need to integrate with. But e- even, you know, we did a POS change in 2019. So two years ago, but it's still, you're right, it's, it's not easy work and a lot of ones and zeros and making sure this system talks to that system. And, you know, we joke that there's just sometimes for a simple transaction, how many miracles have to happen from, <laughs> you know, 
our, our app to the POS to the credit card processor and back, and then you layer in a DoorDash. And yeah, there's a lot of miracles that happen with every transaction. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I, I know you breathe a sigh of relief not having all that technical debt that like a big, you know, long time company has, but but it's still, I mean, like in a business like yours, in any retail oriented business, if the cash register is down, it's not ringing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and now there's, there, there are multiple cash registers. There's obviously the ones in the restaurant, there's your phone, which is, you know, tied to whether it's a credit card processor or an online ordering provider. Again, there's so many places where it could break down. You, you worry about all of those different points along the journey. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate. We have some great partners with card for your online ordering partner. And like I said, DoorDash. So knock on wood, things go well most of the time, but it's technology. And sometimes there, there are unforeseen issues when, you know, there's a massive internet outage in one part of the country. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's super easy for the guests, but there's a lot of work that goes into making that super easy. This has been fun talking about tacos and I'm getting hungry. It's, it's a little, it's about dinner time here. <laughs> um, when are you, when are you going to be in for, in the Virginia area? I need you to come to Virginia. That's where I am. I'll say this. Our founder, Mike Ripka is from Virginia. So it, it has a special place in our heart and um, in the not too distant future, you can see us in, in the state of Virginia. All right. I like it. I like it. I might hold you to that. <laughs> I'd love to get to know the person kind of behind the microphone. We talked about your career a little bit already. I love asking this question, a little bit more introspective question. You know, if there's been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today. I think professionally, one of the the biggest ones was was the Duncan experience. Like I said, I had been there six weeks the CMO that hired me tells me he's leaving. And we operated for about eight months without a CMO. So, you know, it was myself and one other guy trying to, who had been there a whole three months longer than me. So we had to just figure it out. And, you know, you had the franchisee base who was like, what is going on here? Lots of questions. And you got two new guys who are trying to figure it out. So it was just a great experience to to kind of be thrown into the fire like that. And and it was tough. We had just moved the family and, you know, I had a five-year-old and a one and a half-year-old. We were living in the residence in in Dedham, Massachusetts for five months. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of soul searching there. Can't believe I'm still married. But it's, it's just, I think that just forced me to understand like, all right, how do you, you take the super complex problem, no matter how complex it is, and just kind of distill it down to, okay, what are, what are the key questions I need to answer and how do I best package that up and communicate it to whoever I need to communicate it to? So I would not have answered that way in the moment, but you know, with the, the beauty of hindsight, I can look back and say that was, that was pretty good and kind of, you know, forced me to look at myself and say, all right, are you gonna be able to do this? And, you know, you need to like suck it up and just get some progress made here. And, um, it was great and it worked out, had a great team. So awesome experience. In hindsight, during yeah. in the moment, it, it wasn't wasn't so great. I think that's like most things in life. I, I don't know most painful things in life. You you always look back on them as learned a lot. Yeah, the Duncan experience, even as a whole, just the the added element of the franchisee is it's tough. I mean, they're excellent, just unbelievably successful business people, and you know, this isn't an, uh, an indictment of Duncan. I think it's like an indictment of all franchise systems. Like sometimes what 
the brand wants and what the franchisees want are in conflict. And you kind of become that punching bag, if you will, between the two sometimes. And so it just, it, it forces you to really, again, focus on priorities and what are we going to do and how are we going to, how are we going to do it and how are we going to sell it? Because it's in the Torchies model, it's great. We, we align on something at the, the internal level and we're like, let's go full speed ahead. In a franchisee model, you align on it here and it's like, all right, now we got to go sell it in. The joke I make all the time is I never need to run for Congress because I've worked in a franchise system. I know what that's like. I'm all good. You know, it's because now I've got to go sell it to my constituents and and get their buy-in. Because in a franchise model, and especially one like Duncan, which is what's a hundred percent franchise, if they don't want to do it, it's it could be the greatest idea ever. But if you can't get their buy-in, you're you're kind of stuck. Yeah, I've had I've had other franchise businesses on the podcast, you know, executives from from other franchise businesses, and I, I like to say like, if you're an executive that's been forged by franchises, you're in a much better place than most people. <laughs> like, it is uh, it is is not for the weary, not for the faint of heart. And we'll all we'll all complain about it in the moment, but looking back, you're like, it's great experience. And, you know, building those relationships, like there's a few of the Duncan franchisees, you know, I consider friends and still stay in touch with, and look, they've been more successful than I'll ever be in my career. And so they know what they're doing and you got to look, look at that and, and really play into that. And I remember one of the first meetings I went to in New York, which was a notorious, it's, it's Duncan's biggest market. Franchisees are great, but tough. And one of the guys pulls me aside and says, look, you're responsible for my kid's inheritance. Don't mess it up. Some more colorful language than that. But yeah, so you think about that, like that's, that's a lot of pressure. Well, what, what advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over? The same advice I'd give myself that I give to a lot of people is think about the long game. Like don't just chase the money at a, at a young age. And I know that's a way that a lot of, especially when you're younger, is kind of how you keep score of how much am I making, but Think about the experience you're going to get. Take a take a role that might be a step back financially, and maybe it's a lateral move, and take that to gain the experience and kind of broaden your horizons. And don't at that point in your career, don't think narrow and deep. Think broad and get as much experience as as you can, because you, you you never know. You, you want to be able to have options, and if you've done one part of marketing, go do another part or. You know, go work on the brand side, go work on the creative side. And then as you get a little older, go figure it out and don't just chase the dollars. This next question I have is a little silly, but uh, I like asking it because I'm curious what people are finding joy with little purchases that they're making. And that may sometimes not so little purchases, but have you made an impactful purchase of $100 or less in, say, the last six to 12 months? It's a little over $100, but replacement AirPods. <laughs> yeah game changer mine mine died and i was like oh i'll be okay i'll just keep i'll use the old corded ones i have and that lasted about a day yeah i definitely definitely need the the airpods to get through the day under a hundred dollars one would be a premium subscription to todoist which is a to-do software task management software that was i think it's like 37 bucks money well spent what do you like about Todoist? Just the simplicity. Yeah. Versus I've, I've tried a bunch of them and I like just the simplicity, super easy to add a task and kind of like stream of consciousness. I'll throw one in there and then it'll, it will remind me, you know, a day or two later, cause I've already forgotten it. 
<laughs> nice. Cool. Well, uh, curious. I mean, we talked a lot about the, the companies you've worked with, or which are brands in and of themselves. Curious if there's brands or companies or causes that you're personally following that you think others should take notice of. The one, this is, this is super obscure and kind of niche, but I'm a, I'm a tennis player. And the one brand that I think has made such great strides over the past really five years is Yonex, which is a, they make brackets and kind of all things around there. And they're one of the few brands that still makes their own rackets. They make them in a factory in Japan and they tell that story really, really well about the craft nature. And maybe, maybe I, I say that because it, it kind of feels like we're talking about torches a little bit in the craft nature, but you know, they don't just license it out and have another factory make their rackets. They do it. They, the stickers go on the rackets by hand and they just have this amazing pride in the craftsmanship of their of their frames and i think it's it's just a great story and again maybe i, I like it because it just feels aligned with what i do professionally all day but really like what they've done and and how they've really focused on getting their rackets in the hands of up-and-coming players and they've kind of identified at least from my point of view like all right we're not going to get the the Federers and the Djokovic's and the Serena Williams of the world, but we're going to get the next generation. And so you, you look at who's using their frames and that 50 world ranking and below and what they've, what they're doing. It's just, it's really impressive how they're everywhere. And, and I think people like just the craft nature of what they, what they build. I love it. I love it. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I doubt, I doubt anyone else is going to give you that answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't gotten it yet. Let's put it that way. But I'm going to check them out because I'm always I'm always interested. I'm not a tennis player, but I'm just curious from a brand standpoint, you know, like and how they how they go to market and like you said, the craft of it, which is kind of interesting. Well, last question for you: What do you feel like is the largest either opportunity or threat that marketers are facing today? I think the threat is just staying relevant. You know, things move so quickly. And I had this conversation with my wife yesterday. We were talking about something in the news and she was like, I've been busy today. I haven't checked my phone at all. And she was completely oblivious to it. I'm like, wow, you kind of miss one day and you've missed out and you could have the biggest announcement in brand history. And if, you know, a lot of your key people missed it that day, it's like, oh, oh, we missed it. I just think it's hard. You know, it's really hard to make sure you stay relevant and, you know, as consumer wants, needs, tastes change so quickly. How do you just make sure that you can do that? And I think we've done a great job over the first almost 15 years of our existence by focusing on the food and making sure that we're delivering that great experience. And I think that will be timeless, but it's not enough. We got to, we got to make sure that we're continuing to, to uh, be top of mind for our guests. And especially as we take this brand into new markets where we don't have, you know, almost 15 years of, of history and heritage and a lot of places that we're going, breakfast tacos aren't a thing. Queso is called cheese dip. We, we've got to make sure that we're, we're taking torties and not trying to be condescending to people, but just educate them on, on all the great things that this brand does. And um, I would bundle it all under just staying relevant is increasingly more challenging every day. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, 
please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.